Father, we, uh, we pray. Uh, we, we've heard your will, and we're going to uh, just join in sending Pastor Joel and Jacqueline and his family out uh, to do your will. Uh, Father, we pray that all that he does would be empowered by your spirit. We understand that that's a promise that we can hang on to, that Jesus, you said we can wait for the, the power of the Holy Spirit, which will make us witnesses in uh, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and Farmington. And, um, and uh, Lord, we pray that his ministry would always be by the Spirit. He would never try to work for anything, but by humility uh, and faith, he would serve the people down there uh, exactly what they need. Uh, Father, we pray that you would keep the enemy from distracting him, or, or att- all the enemy's attacks would just be an opportunity to see your faithfulness in their lives. And uh, Lord, we just want to rejoice in all that you're doing in their lives, and thank you, God, that, uh, that you have raised up this man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So everyone, give him a hug and pray for him every time you think about it. And I'll try to share his statuses or whatever on Facebook so you guys can keep an eye on him. But we love you guys. All right. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and start studying the Bible. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. Uh, The book of Exodus. We have a study today that's really going to help us see Jesus. So we're going to study the Ark, the Ark. You guys seen Indiana Jones? What was it called? The, uh, the what? Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The best Indiana Jones, right? Um, so we're going to study that, that piece of furniture. Um, and it, uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus, and, and we've gotten to the place where God has rescued his people out of Egypt. He has... He has gathered them around Mount Sinai, and he's given them the Ten Commandments. He said, this is, how you're, this is my character, this is how you're supposed to live. Okay? And then he, he says, you can't really do these, so I'm going to give you something called a tabernacle, a tent that's going to travel with you, and it's going to show you that you will fail, but that I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. And that's this this tabernacle that we, are, we have started to study. And so right now, we're, the, when, when God gives his instructions about the tabernacle, he starts uh, with the most inner part of the tabernacle, which is the Ark of the Covenant. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, okay? So would you guys pray with me, and we'll just uh, ask God's blessing on this study. Father, I thank you, and we praise you for being our God and our tabernacle. And Jesus, we pray that we would see you as our Ark, today. Uh, We pray, Jesus, that you would open our eyes to your faithfulness and our great need and desperation this morning for you. In your name we pray, amen. So the ark, the ark, the ark. This is um, a box that we're going to see. We're going to read the scripture. It's Exodus 25 verse 10 is where we're going to be starting. And this box is going to symbolize God's presence with his people. God with us. Does anyone know what God with us, another way to say that, like a name? Emmanuel, right? Christmas time, we sing Emmanuel, God with us. That was a terrible rendition of all those songs. But, <laughs> but it's, Emmanuel means God with us. Who was Emmanuel? Jesus. Jesus. All right, 30 Jesus points for everybody who said that. 
Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and the ark symbolizes God with his people. So we're going to see that this is all an image of Jesus. Jesus is God, so this is a picture of God. This ark is a picture of the character and attributes of God himself because Jesus reveals God to men. If you want to know what God is like, who do you look at? Jesus, that's right. So when Israel is walking through the desert, or they're going into battle, or they're facing a storm, or they're lost, or they're confused, or they encounter any other need, they could look to the ark and they could know that they can ask for help and receive help from God. That's why this ark really exists. Where do you look when you need help? What's the first thing you do after you freak out for 25 minutes? After you call your parents, after you call your spouse, after you call your friends? Google it. (laughs) There's a lot there. Okay. The ark is a Google for Jesus. Okay. The ark shows us that God is available. God was available. God was on their side to meet their needs. He was not against them. He's for them. And when we see the ark as our as ours as well, it's going to help us with that same heart that they felt unified with God when they're all huddled around his ark, his tabernacle. They felt this unity with him just as we have been unified with Christ by simply believing and accepting and receiving him. So as we study this ark, its connection and its meaning is always the person of Jesus. And it matters to you and us what we're going to study today. Because Jesus is our life. There's nothing else that you need except Jesus. You know, if you try to add something except Jesus into your life, you're subtracting from what Jesus has given you. It's this weird math. It's like common core for Christians. You can quote me on that. So before we learn anything else about the tabernacle, and and God is giving these instructions, these blueprints to Moses. Moses is on top of the mountain right now. The mountain's covered in fire, and God is giving these instructions. Before Moses learns anything about the tabernacle, he sees fit for us to focus our attention on his beloved son. And that's what the ark is, his beloved son. It's the first thing mentioned because it's the most important thing. We have to understand the son. Without the ark, everything else is pointless in the tabernacle, with the people, everything. Who cares if you're serving God if you don't know his son? Who cares about the ministry you're doing if it's not directly connected with Jesus Christ in his person? John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the Jesus, whom, whom God has sent. And so, in other words, all of eternal life is simply knowing the Son. Paul says everything else except knowing Jesus is rubbish. And when you look at what that word is in Greek, I can't even say the translation because it's, intense. It's a curse. Everything else except knowing Jesus is trash. In fact, he would throw away everything in the trash 
to just know Jesus. I want to ask you, do you count the knowledge of Jesus as the only treasure in this life we're seeking? Or do we spend our time seeking other things, turning to other things? Every other treasure will rust and break and grow old, but the knowledge of Jesus is eternal life. That's literally what all of eternity is about. So this is why the ark matters. I hope I've spent five minutes just helping you understand why this matters to you. I want you to care about the ark as we study it because it's a picture of the person of Jesus. Now, as we study the tabernacle, every other piece of furniture is not the person of Jesus, but those describe the works of Jesus. We'll see the the menorah, the lampstand, we'll see the bread, we'll see the incense, we'll see the, the door, we'll see the bronze laver, all the different things that you see on the video as it goes, and and we'll spend many weeks talking about those things. But we always start with the person of Jesus. Even the names of the ark all point to Jesus. So I wrote down a list, and I gave it to you guys here, uh, of all the names of this ark. So we have the ark of the testimony. These are all the different things the ark is called in the Bible. And guess how many of them there are? Seven? Huh, amazing how everything having to do with Jesus has the number seven connected with it, right? So it's called the ark of the testimony because Jesus testifies to you what you need to hear. It's called the ark of the covenant because Jesus is our covenant. It's called the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, because Jesus rules the world. It's called the ark of God because Jesus is God. Imagine that. It's called the Ark of the Lord God because he's your God, talking about his mastery over our life. It's called the Holy Ark because Jesus is holy. And it's called the Ark of your strength because Jesus is your strength. Isn't that crazy? Like there's, there's references for all that, but you can look them up. I'm not doing all your homework for you. So let's read the text. For, we have six verses we're going to go through today. And uh, let's look at it. So Exodus 25, verses 10 through 16. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half shall be its width, and a cubit and a half shall be its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it. And you shall make on it a molding of gold all around. And you shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four corners. Two rings on one side and two rings on the other. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the ark. Then you shall, and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put the ark of the testimony, put, sorry, this is an important verse, verse 16. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. So, we're going to study now how the ark is an image of Jesus. It's not even really that hard to see how the ark is an image of Jesus. Do you know there's two other arks in the Bible? Ten Jesus points. Who knows them? Noah's ark. There's another ark. Anyone? I'll give you a hint. Moses. Okay. When Moses was a baby, his his mom made him an ark and... And he floated in there. Oh, that gets an all? Okay. <laughs> and guess what? Each one of those things, we've studied both of those in the past. And who did I teach you those represent? Jesus. Those are, every time you see an ark, it's Jesus. It's crazy. People getting saved. What does that teach us? 
It's, it's telling us about Jesus that Jesus is the instrument of salvation that God has chosen. He is the instrument. So just the fact that it's called an ark points to Jesus. Second, it's made of two materials. It's made of wood and gold. And this points directly to Jesus because Jesus was a man, but he was also God. Wood is a, is a material which grows here on earth like a man. We're born on earth. Our life is lived here on this earth. But gold is always seen as a symbol of God and divinity, and it's like a gift from God, okay? It's, it's God's character. That's what gold represents in the Bible. So this is what theologians call the hypostatic union. Everyone say that to sound really smart. That's right. <laughs> now you can all just make people feel bad with your pride and knowledge. Okay. Well, what is the hypostatic union telling us about Jesus? He took two things and made them one. He, 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 is the, he is perfectly in unity with God because he is God, and he's perfectly united with man because he is man, and so in him, those two things, God and man, are united. And it's such a beautiful work that he does. It's, it's, it's who, but it's not just a work that he does, it's who he is. That's why Jesus can be the only Savior. That's why he's the only one that matters. No other religion can possibly be true because only Jesus was God and man. Does that make sense? All right. Next we see that the law was placed in the ark. Okay, the law, the the Ten Commandments, the actual tablets that God wrote on, they were placed in the ark, like in the box. All right? Just like Jesus. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. That's what Jesus said. So what is this telling us about Jesus? That he was never imitating the law. He wasn't trying hard to keep it because the law was inside him. It was part of him. If you look at the Ten Commandments, all they are is really just a description of him, of Jesus. How he would behave if he became a person would be the Ten Commandments. So, the law was placed in Jesus. Next, we see that there was blood placed on the mercy seat. So this art, this. Ark of the Covenant had a lid called the mercy seat. Now, we're not going to study the mercy seat per se today. We're just going to mention what was put on top of it. We're going to study the mercy seat itself next week. But the, the blood was placed on the mer- mercy seat, which is the lid of this ark. And what is that telling us about Jesus? It foreshadows the blood of the new covenant. You guys know Luke twenty two twenty. It's a verse that's very important for us to understand. Jesus is sitting there with his disciples. You know the picture where they're all on one side of the table, right? And Jesus is, is eating his last supper with them, and he takes the cup of wine, and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is given for you. And that's the blood that this is foreshadowing, that the priests would, would kill an animal outside the tabernacle, 
And they would, they would come and they would put his blood, they, they would take the blood into the Holy of Holies and they would sprinkle it, they would splatter it all over the top of this ark. And it becomes the most beautiful picture of Jesus, our Lord. Blood being the thing that purchases for us a covenant, an agreement where we do nothing but believe in his faithfulness and he transforms us into the children of God. Isn't that an amen worthy? Amen. All right. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to read a couple of verses so that we can kind of dig into this blood thing. Uh, so if you, if you want to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to dig into this blood thing and see just how beautiful and glorious it is for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, and then verse 11. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. Remember, okay, so this, this tabernacle is the shadow of of good things to come, all that's listed here. And not the very image of those things, who's the image? Jesus. Can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then they, uh, for then would they not have cleansed, ceased to be offered. Excuse me, I'm reading terribly. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then skip down to 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Now go to verse 12. But this man, but this man, Jesus, after he had sacrificed or offered one sacrifice for sins forever, has sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And then go down to 19. Therefore, brethren, having bold... So what are we supposed to do with all this knowledge of, of Jesus and his blood and how his sacrifice means that we don't have to have blood all the time, but we have one blood... That covers us. This is what we do. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The work that, that, that was done on this Ark of the Covenant, they did it time after time, year after year, to teach people the, the way it works. But when Jesus came, we don't have that, that box anymore. We have him, the real thing. It's a shadow versus the real thing. Now, let's say I go on a big, long trip, and, and then I, uh, my wife, I leave my wife at home, and, and she misses me so much because I'm awesome. And so she is, is just pining for me. And, and so she sees me coming home, and I'm coming, walking up the, the doorstep, and the sun's shining, and, and she runs out so excited to see me, and she bends down and starts hugging and kissing my shadow. I would be like, what are you doing? Because I'm right here. You can kiss me. I love that. Kiss me more, right? But 
That's what happens when people get stuck on the images and on the law and on the things that, that just foreshadow what Christ did. You know, what if we were like, ah, oh, if only I could just kill a, an animal right now and its blood could help me out of, because I'm an idiot and I did the same sin for the 50th time today. Okay? We do, we want to do this. We always want to go back to this system of sacrifice, but God says, sacrifice and offering, I didn't desire a body you have prepared me, Jesus is the end of sacrifice for righteousness for those who believe. So we don't try to earn it. We enter in, what did it say? Boldly, and we draw near by the blood of Christ. So how does this really matter in my life? When I struggle with a sin, I am so tempted, and you are too, to make it up to God. To say, there's something I could do to fix my predicament. Maybe, maybe I confess to a lot of people. Maybe I do some Hail Marys. Maybe I, maybe I, I, I just go above and beyond to love my family a little bit harder. You know, maybe if I read my Bible and, and get on my face and pray. Okay? None of those things are the instruction he's given us. The instruction the Bible gives us is clothe yourself in the blood of Christ and enter boldly into his presence and say, forgive me, you're forgiven. Change me, you're changed. That's faith. That's living by faith. And that's what Jesus accomplishes and the Ark of the Covenant teaches us such things. Isn't that cool? Like Jesus, when, they, when Jesus came on the scene and he did everything, I, I bet some people were like, huh, that kind of looks like like the ark. I bet, I bet there was those thoughts going on. In fact, well, we'll get into that later. Okay, so another thing. We got the four rings. We got the four rings. This one is crazy. I got to believe that these four rings represent the four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which blows my mind, okay? We know that, that the, the, there's four angels in the book of Revelation that have four different faces. You've got an ox and a man and a lion and an eagle. And, uh, and those four, the church fathers, Arrhenius and all these guys, they told us that, that those truly represented Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Okay, Those are the four stories that we have that carry Jesus to us. What do, where do we get our information about Jesus? From those four Gospels. And they're divine. They're so perfect. That's why they're gold. In fact, they're part of Jesus. His story is given to us and carried to us on these four golden rings. I just think that's really cool. Jesus can be carried to someone by just the Bible. In fact, we have a friend, Danny. You guys remember when Danny was here? And Danny, you know, Danny was spending a long time in a confined environment, um, prison. And as, as he was there, someone said... You should read the Bible to me. And he's like, I don't know this, none of this. But he read the Bible, and just by reading the book of John, he got saved. He said in his heart, there is no way this is made up. He saw that they were golden. He saw that Jesus was being brought to him, and he believed, and that's how our brother got saved. Isn't that cool? So anyway, just the four golden rings. 
All right, so now let's get into what was inside the ark. We've already kind of mentioned one of them, but there's three things that are in inside the ark. We're only told one of them here, but uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, we're going to learn, let's, let's look there, chapter 9, verse 4 of Hebrews. We're going to see that there's actually three things in the ark of the covenant, and these are all really important. These three things are going to show us the way Jesus, by his nature and who he is, provides for his people. He gives us everything that we need. He is everything that we need. And these three things are going to do an amazing job of helping us understand how this is fulfilled. So the first thing we already kind of looked at was the law. The, the Ten Commandments were, were given, uh, were put in, G, in the ark, okay? And this is going to teach us how Jesus fulfilled the law for his people. Um, then we're going to see there's a golden pot filled with manna. And then we're going to see that there's Aaron's rod, his stick, that budded or flowered. And those are going to teach us about grace and resurrection. So we'll see that in just a second here. But Hebrews 9.4 says, which had the, the, the ark, you know, had, um, had it, the ark of the covenant was overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. So we already learned that there was the two stone uh, tablets that had the Ten Commandments. And we know Jesus said, uh, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Right? Remember what happened to the two commandments that Moses broke? We're going to see in chapter 32, we're going to get and we're going to see Moses comes down. Everyone's dancing naked around a golden calf. And Moses breaks those commandments, showing that Men are always going to break the commandments. But God calls, hey, Moses, come up here. Um, we need to make some new ones because I'm not going to destroy these. I know you wish we could just break them and be like, oh, let us free of this. But that's not what's going to happen. So Jesus, or God, makes these Ten Commandments again, writes them with his finger and gives them to Moses and said, please be careful with these ones. So Moses places them in the ark and in Christ they're fulfilled. They're fulfilled. So how do we, how does this matter to us? Well, I would like to be obedient to the Ten Commandments too, but I suck at that. Anyone else with me? We can't do it in our own. But when we get in Christ too, the fulfillment's already there. We have it. Jesus, in Romans five nineteen, it says that by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. So the Ten Commandments were put in the one place they could be so that we could be made righteous like those Ten Commandments are. Jesus met every requirement of the law for his people. He did everything it ever required when he lived on this world. And you can't add to what he did without taking away from what he did. When we truly believe this in the absolute sufficiency of the blood of Jesus, can we ever begin to follow, uh, we can begin to follow him as a disciple and then be used to serve our Father. That's when there will be fruit in our life, is when we believe in the absolute sufficiency of this blood and of Jesus' life for us. Again, we never are adding to what Jesus did, we're pointing to it. When you do a good work, you're not adding to what he did, you're pointing to what he did. Two very different things. One promotes pride, Look what I've done to add to, ha, Jesus would be sunk without me in this city. Or, man, I'm miserable, 
but Christ is all. And I'll love you and I'll serve you because he is all. See the difference? One is humility and the other is pride. So that's why those two tablets of stone were in there. Secondly, we have the golden pot of manna. The life and heart of Jesus is the bread his people eat. You remember the story of the manna, right? His people were hungry. So God says, here, I'm going to give you manna so that you can eat. This is a spiritual food God provided for every need of his people. And so they would come, they would, uh, they would gather the manna, they would eat it daily, and all of that speaks of Jesus being the bread of life, right? So we consume and eat Jesus every day. And so what we're seeing here is that Jesus, by who he is, is, is providing for us. In the law, he provides for our spiritual need. We were bankrupt. We were guilty. We failed with the law. But Jesus, he, he keeps the law in himself, and then he invites us into him. He makes us part of him. And so keeping the law, our spiritual need is met in Christ. Now, physical needs, and, and, and he's totally cool with that too. I'll meet your needs by my grace. By my grace. Now, a couple cool things here. In Exodus chapter 16, we learned that this was made out of a pot. But in the New Testament, in Hebrews 9, we see that it was a golden pot. Why would the Old Testament just inform us that it was a pot and the New Testament inform us that it was a golden pot? And I see that because the Old Testament could not reveal all that the New Testament does about Jesus. They couldn't know that the one that was going to feed them would be an actually God, a member of the Trinity. They didn't see that. That wasn't completely foreknown by those people and revealed. They knew there was a Messiah, but they didn't know the Messiah would be a member of God himself. And that's why the New Testament reveals to us that it was a golden pot. All right. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. These are the, the bread, the, the manna that, God, that Jesus provides for us, and he is full of it. The golden pot was full of this manna. And Jesus, for us, he is full of grace, our Savior's grace and truth. And then look in verse 16, he says, And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. In other words, all of this that Jesus gives us is a gift. And grace up for grace means grace upon grace upon grace, which means gift upon gift upon gift. Jesus supplies all that we need, all our manna, by himself, by who he is. He doesn't have to try like, here, take a piece of me. He just is it, and it constantly flows out of him, and we constantly receive from him. How? By faith. Looking to him. The moment you look into him, you are eating him. You're drinking him. You're partaking of him. Looking by faith is the how we do this. All right, the third thing that was inside this Ark of the Covenant was... Aaron's rod that had flowered. Dude, get ready. 
You guys aren't even ready. Are you ready now? Okay, this is a crazy story. So in number 16, we have the rebellion of Korah. And Korah and his friends were some bad dudes. But what they basically were doing was challenging the authority of Aaron and Moses as they're going into the promised land and as they're walking around the desert. Aaron and Korah are like, why can you tell us who God is and what God is saying? They were questioning who was qualified to be the priest of the nation. And um, who had the right to represent the people to God and, and, the, and God to the people? Who could do a good enough job? Korah was not convinced that it was Moses and Aaron. They didn't think Moses and Aaron were qualified. And so after a couple of judgments, God basically said, um, no, and I'm going to kill you. So he killed them. He, the earth literally opened up and swallowed them, ate them, which is crazy. Um, why was God so intense about this? Uh, because Moses and Aaron are a picture of Jesus. Moses representing the truth, Aaron representing the grace. It was an amazing representation of Jesus. And Jesus isn't to be questioned. His grace is sufficient. Okay? So that's how God chose to deal with it. There was a couple, um, there was then a plague, and it was all crazy. So God spoke very clearly about who his chosen priest was. And so what God, God further illustrated his decision that Moses and Aaron were his chosen priests by, he said, get, the, get 12 sticks, get 12 rods, one for each of the different t- tribes, and on one of the rods write Aaron's name on it. And they, let the, they laid these out before the Lord, and in the morning, Aaron's rod, even though it was just a stick, had produced flowers, buds, and even produced almonds, fruit that could be eaten. Okay, how can a stick do that? It can't, right? What it's showing is Jesus would die and be resurrected. And the new life, an impossible life, would be filled with beauty and fruit unto God. And that is God's testimony that Jesus is the chosen priest. He is the chosen representative between God and man. So here we have, you know, resurrection is the key to understanding who is qualified to represent the people to God and God to his people. And that's why this was in there. Is because Jesus is, is, takes into the ark the, the rod that had budded to show that new life, new life is what is always produced by me. That proves that my way is real. And there is no other way because no other rod can bring forth flowers and almonds. and It's crazy. It's a miracle. And yet it's in Christ we have resurrection in Christ. Have you ever felt like your life was dead? You ever felt like you needed resurrection life, resurrection power? You felt dry and empty? There is one solution for such a thing. In Christ, we have new life. This is, what did it say in Hebrews 8? This is a new and living way not an old piece of stick that you try to build something with. This is a new, you just watch it produce life. Abide in Christ and watch the life produced. 
You know, Joel, I challenge you. I charge you. Never work for the ministry. Let it be Christ's life being experienced. And I know you will. We're already on the same page. But I publicly charge you like some prophet of old. You know, I think this is probably one of those scriptures that Jesus went through with the disciples on the road to Emmaus after he rose from the dead and he wasn't letting them see who he was. And it says that he proved from the scriptures that the Messiah had to die and arise again. And I think, I'm almost sure, that this is one of those scriptures that proves that the Messiah had to be resurrected. New life was the judgment, the key to understanding who the Messiah would be, right? There you go. So again, what was inside the ark? You got these three things. And these three things show that Jesus was the, would always provide for his people through himself. He just would do it. You had the two stone uh, tablets, which show that he fulfills our need for law-keeping. We had the golden pot of manna, which shows that he's full of grace. He can feed us all that we need, spiritually, physically, anything we need. He supplies it. And we have Aaron's rod that had budded, which shows resurrection life and resurrection power. So we're done. But I'm going to ask you three or four questions. Where are you going to turn when you need to measure up? Where, where are you going to turn? When you need power inside to, to serve God by laying your life down, to, to love your wife and your family, the people at work, where are you going to turn when you have those needs? When you need God's grace? What about when you need God's rest? You're like, man, I'm tired. Or God's peace. You know, I'm being attacked. I need God's peace. Where are we going to turn? What about when you're dead inside? When you're dead inside? Where are you going to turn? May we turn to the only one who is the solution to all these things in himself. This is what the Ark of the Covenant teaches us. To wait for him to rescue you and meet your needs in all circumstances. Jesus didn't say, just in the hard times, call out to me. But in every circumstance, I will meet your needs. Okay, we're changing the format of, of our end of service just a little bit as we move forward and, and keep seeking the Lord. We're going to have a couple songs today. And during these songs, what we generally do is we get up and, and take communion. Okay? And this is awesome for anyone who believes in Christ. This is a way for you just to show everything that was spoken today. I, I agree, and I'm going to turn to Christ and not to myself. And so these remind us of his work that he did. It's not a work that you're doing, it's pointing to the work that he did. So we take these things in faith, not by works. Does that make sense? All right, so you have the bread, you chew it, remember his body was broken, you have the the grape juice, and you remember his blood that was given for this new life that he offers us. But in in addition, we have um, uh, BK and me and Nathan are going to be just kind of, uh, BK will be in the back, Nathan and I will be up front here. And we're going to be available to just pray with you. If there's something on your heart that you need to see Jesus kind of meet your need, or Jesus, you want to just Jesus to do something in your life, we're available to pray during these last couple of songs. Okay? So this is your time to meet with God. We're kind of moving the instruction time to, to before our response time now. So we got a couple of songs where we can talk to Jesus about 
who he is in your life. If there needs to be repentance in your life, and Lord, I've been turning to other things. Yeah, come on up, worship team. If if I've been turning to other things, talk with him about that. He's so full of forgiveness. But what he doesn't like is when we walk around like, I don't need you, God. I'm fine where I'm at. I'm fine with who I am. And that is pride. Jesus is here today to meet with us and to give us grace. It's who he is. And each one of us can tap into that, can can receive of that grace by simply coming before him in humility and confessing our needs before him and looking to him to meet those needs. Okay, guys? So I'm going to be right here in this seat, and if you want to pray, we'll just, just come sit by me and we'll pray. Nathan will be right somewhere in that corner. So I'll have you scoot over. And uh, uh, that's where we'll be. So would you guys all stand with me? Father, we come before you, and we are so very humbled to, uh, to be lavished with such love. God, you pour upon us grace upon grace upon grace. And Jesus, it is all you. You literally have given yourself to meet our needs. You don't give us a formula. You don't give us a system. You don't give us a, a, a ladder to climb. You give us a body to enter into by faith. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would renounce self-sufficiency and all of all that is in us that we think we got this apart from you. And Jesus, I pray that we would call upon you, throw ourselves upon you, and wait for no deliverance except that's what, that which you bring, Jesus. Father, you are all, and you, you're, you're all in all. And Jesus, we pray that you would be all for us. Please continue doing a work in our hearts as we worship you now, as we respond to the teaching of your gospel. Uh, Lord, I pray that there would be many calls to you and and many hearts that turn to you even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.